It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. And good Thursday morning to you. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy again. You know, we had a couple of callers yesterday. When is Sandy coming back? <laughs> She'll be back real soon, real soon. Uh, she's taking a well-deserved break, spending time with family and her grandkids, and uh, we're really happy for her for that. She deserves a break, uh, but she'll be back in this chair, and I think I mentioned yesterday, I'm already getting emails from Sandy saying, uh, covering this, and uh, this is going on, and so she's cranking back up, and I know she's anxious to get back in this chair and to be with uh, you, her faithful audience, uh, once again. In the meantime... We'll try to take care of the shop for you this morning and bring you up to date on what's happening. You know, if you've been listening to the news over the last, um, well, couple of weeks, that uh, President Joe Biden has had some theories. Now, he's, he, he's been pretty direct about it, actually, on the biggest problems facing America, the biggest problems facing America. Now, a couple of times, he has said the biggest problem and the biggest threat to America is white supremacy. Here's an example. Cut five. According to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. Yeah, according to the intelligence community, I'm not sure where they're getting their intelligence, folks, uh, because it's not white supremacists that caused all the terror in several Democrat-controlled cities over the last couple of years. Uh, those are the facts. But no, that's Joe Biden saying the biggest lethal threat to America is white supremacy. So that's why I did a bit of a double take late yesterday when President Biden, on the first leg of his overseas trip, he arrived in the U.K. last evening, and he spoke at a military base there Listen to what he had to say to those military people gathered at that American base as to what the greatest threat to America is. Cut number six. We must all commit to an ambitious climate action if we're going to prevent the worst impacts of climate change limiting global warming to no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius and lead the global, the global transition to clean energy technology. You know, when I went over in the tank in the Pentagon, when I first was elected vice president with President Obama, the military sat us down to let us know what the greatest threats facing America were, the greatest physical threats. And this is not a joke. You know what the Joint Chiefs told us the greatest threat facing America was? Global warming. Because there'll be significant population movements fights over land, millions of people leaving places because they're literally sinking below the sea in Indonesia. 
because of the fights over what is arable land anymore. Well, first of all, he used the term global warning there a few minute, a minute ago, early on in that speech. I think what the globe needs to be warned about is politicians like Joe Biden. Number two, he says people at the Pentagon told him the biggest threat is global warming. I am skeptical. I'm being kind there. I'm being skeptical that people who fight terrorism around the world, their biggest concern is global warming. And by the way, those characteristics that the president outlined there, uh, you know what? They've been warning about these things for decades now, and I don't see. The only movement that I see on the planet right now is illegal immigration on our southern border, a crisis created by the Joe Biden administration. So there you have it. I wonder what threat he will name next week. Uh, It just goes on and on. I, I wonder if he understands that people are growing greatly skeptical about his ability to lead and where he plans to take the country. Now, you know, a lot of people think, you know, Joe Biden bless his heart. Uh, he's really being led by the far, far, far left of his party, and they're they're just putting speeches in front of him, and he repeats it. Um, that's That ought to be our greatest concern. You know another concern, and this really goes back over the last year and a half, and that has to do with the far left and what it has done to this country with regards to the approach to COVID-19, the pandemic. Thankfully, we are now getting some integrity in what is going on. And, of course, the latest is that Dr. Anthony Fauci, I think, misled the country, gave the country wrong information when it comes to the source of this virus. You remember how the president was totally denounced for saying that, you know, it was the Wuhan virus coming from the Wuhan lab and that it was deliberately put out there by the Chinese, xenophobic, the whole thing. But now we know better. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, um, he's, he's among some Republicans who now think that Dr. Anthony Fauci should resign. He's still in a very powerful position. The Biden administration has kept him on because he sings the tune about, uh, about the, the virus and the pandemic and the pandemic restrictions. But there is a growing consensus on those who are intelligent, I'll put it that way, that Dr. Anthony Fauci has to go. Here's Senator John Kennedy, cut two. I respect Dr. Fauci. This isn't about Dr. Fauci. It's not about his feelings, and I'm sorry if his feelings were hurt. You know, maybe he ought to buy an emotional support pony. But, but we're not debating uh, dance moves on TikTok here. We're talking about millions of human lives. Dr. Fauci gave a lot of U.S. taxpayer money to the Wuhan lab for Chinese scientists to research bat coronaviruses. Neither Dr. Fauci nor any of his people can guarantee us that the Chinese scientists didn't use that money to do gain-of-function research and turn a, a normal virus into a supercharged virus. Since day one, Dr. Fauci and, and his uh, uh, expert friends uh, have told us, look, the, the virus occurred naturally. It, it jumped from a bat to, through an intermediate host into human beings. 
Well, it's been a year. Where's the proof? Where's the smoking bat? <laughs> As only he can put it. Where's the smoking bat? Well, that's exactly right. And you know what's really interesting? There's a pattern developing here, folks. And there's another breaking story on this front this morning. President Trump, then President Trump, was out there talking about this, where this COVID-19 virus, where it emanated from, and he was totally denounced by the left, by the Democrats, by the mainstream media. Also, last spring, you may remember that the president suggested that a treatment in some cases, in fact, he told us that he had taken the treatment hydroxychloroquine and zinc treatments to help people recover from this virus. All right. Here's the story this morning. (laughs) A new study shows that the controversial drugs hydroxychloroquine touted by former President Donald Trump increases the survival rate of severely ill coronavirus patients. Study found that the antimalarial drug hydroxychloroquine along with zinc could increase the coronavirus survival rate by as much as nearly 200%. Now, here's former President Trump when he said all of these things. And then we're going to play you the reaction from the media. So we'll start with cut number seven. As you know, last Saturday, the FDA also gave emergency authorization for hydroxychloroquine. I hope it's going to be a very important answer. The other thing that we've bought a tremendous amount of is the hydroxychloroquine. It's a powerful drug on malaria, uh, and there are signs that it works on this. A lot of good things have come out about the hydroxy. A lot of good things have come out. I happen to be taking it. I happen to be taking it. I'm taking it, hydroxychloroquine. All right. And then the mainstream media that hates President Trump to this day, this is how they reacted to his statements about hydroxychloroquine. Cut eight. President Trump did not back down from his decision to take hydroxychloroquine, a malaria drug the FDA has warned is not safe or effective. The president knows that hydroxychloroquine is not supported by science. He knows that it's been flagged by people in his own administration. The president, who is tested regularly for coronavirus, says his doctor did not recommend the drug to him. There is no evidence that points to hydroxychloroquine being an effective treatment. And frankly, I'm worried for President Trump. Boy, I can hardly wait for the mainstream media to respond to this story this morning about what this study is saying. Let me just read it again. This study, that's out. This drug, hydroxychloroquine, along with zinc, could increase the coronavirus survival rate by as much as nearly 200% if distributed at higher doses to ventilated patients with severe version of the illness. So there you have it. Uh, That's out this morning. Dr. Mark Siegel, he is a medical expert that is on Fox News quite, uh, quite frequently. He was asked to respond to this study that's come out this morning and the effort to discredit what President Trump had to say about it just over a year ago, cut nine. 
This was one of the first examples of the overt politicization of science. Science evolves. You don't just rush to judgment because the president of the United States says he's taking a drug. If you recall, I gave this drug, we gave this drug to my father back in March of 2020 and right. he dramatically recovered. And not just him, many patients over the course of the pandemic I have seen personally show a positive effect from hydroxychloroquine plus zinc. Why would that be? Hydroxychloroquine actually has antiviral properties against this virus. Combined with zinc, it's an ionophore. It gets zinc into the cells. Zinc can work against the virus. There's multiple studies on both sides of this. But what's really unique is the rush to judgment. The science was shut down. I heard many investigators telling me over the summer and fall, I can't finish my study on this, Steve, because patients heard that it doesn't work, so they're, so they're backing out. All because President Trump came out in, in support of it. Right. That rush to judgment, that dogma has characterized the process here. And now we see a study which shows that it appears to work in very, very ill patients on ventilators, three times as likely to survive if they were on hydroxychloroquine plus zinc. That mm -hmm. proves that it was never fully studied. Yeah, there you have it. I found that fascinating what Dr. Siegel had to say, that even people who were following up with the investigation as to the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine and zinc said they stopped their research. They were intimidated because of what the mainstream media and some others in the science community, how they, they uh, poo-pooed what the president was saying and turn away. And yet here we are about 14 months later, and this study comes out and talks about how effective this is. And I wonder, I wonder if instead of dumping on the president, who they hate politically, let's be very clear, that's their motivation. They hate President Trump politically. To this day, they try to work President Trump in the Associated Press and others work President Trump into stories today, even though he left the office, what, six months ago. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's the sad thing. If they had taken the time to do some study and maybe trust what the president was saying, check it out, go to their doctor, maybe lives could have been saved. It seemed to work for the president. All right. Much more ahead. Critical race theory. We're going to be talking about that because it's tearing this country apart. But the good news is parents teachers across this country are fighting back. We're going to be getting into that heavily over the next 20 minutes because there's breaking news on a lot of fronts there. All right, you're listening to Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in. We are back right after the break. Historic flooding has hit Lake Charles, Louisiana, and Eight Days of Hope needs volunteers to help those in the path of destruction. Here's Eight Days of Hope president Steve Tiber. We're looking for people who just want to serve others. You know, you don't have to be super gifted. Every disaster gives an opportunity for a believer to share a glimpse of Jesus Christ. On a moment's notice, your life can change, and you don't know what to do, and all of a sudden you get a knock on your door, and there's a dozen volunteers that have come from all over the country. And homeowners usually, uh, they just start to weep. They, they're so blown away that volunteers they don't even know would come to their house to help them 
That's the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Volunteers must be 18 or older. Food and lodging are provided. The primary work is removing debris, mucking out homes, and assisting families with whatever they need. Come be the hands and feet of Jesus in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Visit 8daysofhope.com to volunteer. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for President Joe Biden. As president, he is responsible for the prosperity, well-being, and security of our country, while representing freedom and democracy on the world stage. Philippians 2.3 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask for guidance for President Joe Biden as he leads our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Our National Leadership Prayer Journal guides you in daily prayer for our country's leaders and provides historical insights on our nation and scripture. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you in the midst of your college search? We invite you to explore Liberty University this spring at one of our on-campus events. Spend a few hours exploring campus at Tour LU, dig deeper, and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience OU. Or you can take your next steps towards training for your dream career on a world-class campus by meeting with faculty and department heads and getting your questions answered at DecideLU. Learn more about these visiting opportunities and register today by texting VISIT to the number 49596. Again, that's VISIT to the number 49596. Vicki Hansen of Bowling Green, Missouri, is known around town for making fudge. It's something of a family tradition. On average, Mrs. Hansen makes around 42,000 pounds of fudge every year, not for the family, but for American troops. It's a tradition that started with the women of the Hansen family during World War II. Her father served in the military, as did two of her children. Mrs. Hansen's fudge has been devoured by troops serving in 52 different countries. She tells television station WGEM the military needs to know they're appreciated and respected. She said they need to have hope, and nothing says hope like a box of homemade fudge, all made in her tiny kitchen with a cast iron skillet, shipped out using donated coolers and tin cans. An inspiration to all Americans, giving our soldiers and airmen and Marines and sailors a little taste of home. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy. Well, just before the break, I was mentioning the battle over the the teaching of, of critical race theory, a false doctrine that's out there indoctrinating our kids across the country. Well, there's 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 a battle going on because parents. Teachers are fighting back against this. And kind of the Loudoun County School Board in Virginia, it's kind of on the front lines of all of this. Parents, teachers showing up at school board meetings there saying this is ridiculous. Well, the latest school board meeting was held Tuesday night. And one of the parents that showed up was a Virginia mom who immigrated to this country from China. 
Z Van Fleet endured Mao Zedong's cultural revolution. And she went before that board. And she said, what you're teaching our kids in critical race theory is the same tactics that the communist Chinese have used to control people in that country. Here's a bit of that. Cut number four. I've, I've been very alarmed about what's going on in our school. You are now teaching, training our children to be social justice warriors and to loathe our country and our history. Uh, growing up in Mao's China, all this seemed very familiar. The uh, communist regime used the same critical theories to divide people. The only difference is they use class instead of race. During the Cultural Revolution, I witnessed students and teachers that can turn against each other. We changed school names to be politically correct. Um, we were taught to denounce our heritage. The Red Guards destroy anything that is not communist. Old uh, statues, books, and anything else. <clears throat> we are also encouraged to report on each other, just like the uh, Student Equity Ambassador Program and the Bias Reporting System. This is indeed the American version of the Chinese communist, the Chinese Cultural Revolution. The critical race theory has its roots in cultural Marxism. It should have no place in our schools. She was applauded, and rightly so. It should have no place in our schools. Well, the battle is on. The academics are being confronted with this false teaching of critical race theory basically defining a person by the color of their skin. And one of those on the front line of fighting CRT is our next guest, Dr. Carol Swain. Uh, Good to have you with us this morning, ma'am. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Carol Swain, uh, I was reading a story from The Federalist this morning. The headline is, Critical Race Theory's Poisonous Roots Trace Back to Harvard University. Now, you have been in academia for years. Uh, you're a tenured professor at Princeton University. You taught political science at Vanderbilt University. Um, you know how universities tick. Is, is it your opinion that this is where all of this got started? And if so, why? What is, what got, what is academia's purpose in pushing this critical race theory? I think when they say that it started at Harvard, they mean that uh, a professor there, Jared Sale, who was the first tenured black professor in the law school, that he really developed the critical race theory. But the critical theories that underlie it, they go back to Marxism. Uh, So they uh, go back much further uh, than Jared Sale. And uh, some of the uh, critical theorists that you can trace it to is Antonio Gramsci, who was part of the Frankfurt School, Herbert Macusa, uh, Saul Alinsky helped advance those ideas. But it was in the 1970s when you get Dirk Bell, he argued that white people, whatever they do, uh, it's set up to benefit themselves. And so with the civil rights movement, uh, the only reason that white people supported that was that it was within their interest. And uh, Jared Bell also believed that racism was permanent. And so he was on the forefront of pointing out um, some of those ideas that undergird uh, critical uh, race theory. And then there were other scholars like Kimberly Crenshaw and and, um, uh, Richard Delgado, uh, who are minority scholars that advanced the ideas. 
academia has always been the source of bad ideas. You know, people get paid to think of uh, new theories, and critical race theory is a theory. It's racism. And now that the government is behind pushing it in every sector of our society, it is now state-sponsored racism. And I think that um, it's a danger to our society because it runs counter to the uh, civil rights laws as well as the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution and who we have traditionally been as Americans. The whole idea that it would be considered legitimate to uh, demonize uh, any group of people because of their race, bully and shame and intimidate them, that is un-American, and I would argue that it is unconstitutional and against our laws. Dr. Swain, here's where I think a lot of people are puzzled by this. The advocates in this country for critical race theory, I believe if you polled, polled them, they wouldn't want to go to a country that has a Marxist government. They wouldn't want to move to China. They wouldn't want to move to Russia. So, uh, and they would, so, so why is it that they're trying to change and, and, and take away the freedoms uh, that we have in this country? It's the freedoms that they enjoy to advocate for this. They are trying to take that away. It, it's puzzling to most of us. Well, I mean, if you poll the leaders, I think they would be very happy to see America uh, become a communist country. So they do have an agenda. They're using racial and ethnic minorities to advance their agenda, but I think they know exactly what they're doing. And uh, as far as the people that are following them, those are the people that are ignorant of what critical race theory is, how it operates. And just uh, many white people are unaware of their rights as white people, that they, too, are covered by the civil rights laws of this nation, whether it's state and local laws. They are protected by those laws. And um, there are laws against hostile workplaces as well as, um, you know, I would say hostile learning environments where people are are being intimidated to the point where they are fearful. How much and is... shaming and bullying children. Yeah. There's, no, there's no place in America for shaming and bullying children because of the color of their skin. Now, uh, Dr. Carol Swain uh, is our guest this morning. You are a black woman. You were a professor of political science at Vanderbilt. In 2015, the students of Vanderbilt wanted you out of there. How, how do you explain? I, I kind of disagree. I, oh. I disagree with that. The students of Vanderbilt did not want me out, there, out of there. Okay. There was a group of students, many of them were from other universities, that uh, put together a petition after I wrote an opinion piece criticizing Islam. It was very orchestrated. There were five conservative professors across the country that were targeted at the same time. And so if we want to put it in a different light, I was probably one of the first persons that the political left decided to cancel. And um, they made my life very miserable. And at some point, I made the decision to take early retirement. Mm. But there was no student who had ever taken a class with me mm. that was part of that group. In fact, many of them, including members of the LGBT, LGBT community that had been in my classes, 
wrote letters of support and um, and disagreed with the false narratives that were being fostered by the left. Do you, is is this part of though the climate that we're seeing today, the cancel culture that we're seeing in our, our our campuses, and in reality, that's now becoming part of public policy, certainly under this uh, Biden administration. Well, it's part of the of the Marxism. If you go back to Herbert Marcuse, uh, one of the Marxists of the nineteen sixties and nineteen sixty five, he wrote an article called "Repressive Tolerance." 25-page article, Herbert Macusa, that uh, it talked about shutting down the voices of traditionalism and unleashing the voices of uh, of marginalized groups, uh, blacks, women, uh, homosexuals, and, and the poor. Uh, and that's what has taken place. It's a shutting down of traditional voices and values, and that's part of Marxism. So what has taken place is Marxism, and uh, back, you know, when uh, I was the target of of a mob, uh, we didn't know, we didn't have the concept of cancel culture. Uh, it was just seen as an attack on a conservative. Uh, but it was like part of a much bigger plan. And I go back to President Obama's election. When he was elected, we thought we were post-racial. We were making great strides in race relations. Uh, once he got in office, the Marxists associated with him very quickly uh, turned everything around to pit Americans against one another. And that's when the universities have always been liberal. And they've always, you know, wanted speech codes and bans against free speech. But after his election, uh, that's when universities totally went crazy and they turned the keys over to the inmates. And so the inmates have been running the prison but many of the leaders of people that I would argue were radicals in the 1960s, they followed Saul Alinsky's playbook, uh, and once they got themselves in positions of power, they hired people like themselves, they ousted everyone else, and that's what's happening in America. And the American people are organizing, they are standing up, and it's going to take great courage, especially for white people, because uh, in this climate, a lot of white people feel like they can't speak, they're afraid to speak, this is the time to speak for your values and principles and things that you know are right when it comes to the Constitution, when it comes to um, the uh, laws of our land that protect people against discrimination, you're a person, you're protected against discrimination, and uh, and enlist, you know, your friends and relatives of different um, ethnicities, because we are a multiracial country in a lot of ways. What's happening is wrong. People need courage. They need to stand up. And I think that at the end of the day, we can push it back. Well, critical race theory, it's not only a problem in academia, uh, but also in our churches. Uh, The Southern Baptist Convention is holding its annual meeting next week. And am I overstating it that the critical race theory has taken root in certain sectors of the Southern Baptist Convention, and it's going to be a big issue at this convention next week. Well, you're not overstating it. In fact, in 2009, uh, they rushed through a resolution saying that critical race theory and uh, intersectionality uh, could be used as analytical tools for understanding um, race. And that was a shocker because... uh, 
biblical justice and social justice pushed by the left are not the same thing. And I believe the Word of God, our, our Holy Bible, has everything we need to get along across racial and ethnic lines. God created one human race, um, and we're all imbued with his image. And the church should be leading the way on race relations. They don't need Marxist concepts, but yes, it is in the Southern Baptist Convention. And in many ways, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, they have Democrats, they have Republicans, some of the same um, conflicts that play themselves out in the political arena are playing themselves out in that form. And they use black people who are, tend to be more liberal uh, to as excuse to push through radical agendas. That's what's happening. I will be attending that conference. I am a messenger, which means I get to vote. And I am a co-sponsor of the resolution against critical race theory uh, that calls for a return to the Bible, biblical worldview. And I don't think I'm overstating that the convention, the annual meeting next week, is uh, one of those pivotal points for the Southern Baptist Convention, as it was back in, what is the 1980s, when the authority of Scripture. But to your point, this critical race theory really does uh, go to the authority of Scripture, because as you say, Scripture has nothing in it that would back critical race theory. No, and uh, it has plenty in it that tells us how to get along across racial and ethnic lines. And uh, and so this is a you know man-made conflict. It's been brought into the church by, uh, quote, progressive Christians. And uh, it's uh, very sad, and you can predict, before every Southern Baptist convention, the left always has a controversy, controversy in the headlines, that makes the headlines, you know, across the world that makes uh, Christians look bad. And mm. so this year is no exception. Absolutely. Dr. Carol Swain, thank you so much for joining us, and perhaps we'll talk to you from the convention next week to see how things go there. Well, thank you. All right. Bye. Take care. Dr. Carol Swain, tremendous respect for Dr. Carol Swain. She has an incredible story to tell. Uh, grew up in poverty and uh, worked hard, and look what she became. Uh, tenured professor at Princeton at Vanderbilt University, um, and she's actively involved, has run for mayor of Nashville a couple of times, and now will be a messenger at the Southern Baptist Convention. We fight on, correct? All right, 888 is the number to call, 888-589-8840. We'll talk to you when we come back on this edition of Sandy Rios in the Morning. Back shortly. Many Christians do not take our enemy seriously because they don't know enough about him to take him seriously. The devil's cleverest strategy, listen to me, is to make us believe that he does not exist. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his message, Identifying the Enemy, on the next Turning Point Weekend Edition. Listen to Turning Point, Sunday mornings at 7 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. 
Do you want God to work a miracle in your life? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. Listen, I don't know how God is speaking to your heart and what he's speaking to your heart about, but I know this, he's present and he's looking for people who will believe him, who will step up. God shows up when you and I step up. Let God show up in your life. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they keep on deceiving. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After spending more than a year denying the possibility that the coronavirus was manufactured instead of naturally occurring, Dr. Anthony Fauci has changed his tune. He's now no longer confident the virus developed naturally and has even joined the ranks of those calling for an investigation into what actually happened in China. This shortly after being exposed for funding gain-of-function research in China, which manipulates animal viruses to make them deadly for humans. And now we have emails that reveal the boy from Brooklyn has been running game on the American people the whole time. Fauci is a fraud. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Proverbs says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Brian Fisher here with an excerpt from the Boy to Man book for fathers to read with their 12-year-old sons. Quote, the most important decision you'll ever make in your life is what you do with God. The second most important decision is your choice of a wife. So how do you find the right woman to marry? The question to ask yourself is this, do I want this woman to be the mother of my children? When the answer to that question is yes, you found the woman for you. That's how I recognized Debbie as the woman I wanted to marry, and she has been everything I could have hoped for as a friend, partner, companion, and mother to my children. I would happily marry her all over again, end quote. Order a copy of the Boy to Man book today as a Father's Day gift at afastore.net. That's afastore.net. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Vice President Kamala Harris has been widely criticized for her performance telling the people of Central America how to solve the root causes of their nation's problems. Maybe we're missing something. True, there's no evidence the Veep actually understands the conditions in Guatemala, El Salvador, or Mexico, let alone that she's addressing them effectively. But in fairness, it is indisputable that Kamala Harris and her running mate Joe Biden are in fact doing a lot to address the root cause of illegal immigration in our country. Specifically, they're making America much less attractive to people who yearn for freedom and opportunity by trying to turn the U.S. into just another oppressive political system and economic basket case. Unfortunately, taking down America probably won't keep people from coming here, but it sure will ruin America for those privileged to call her home. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Sandy Rios in the morning. 888-589-8840 is the number to call. Um, Just before we go to the phones, (laughs) Congressman Jason Smith, 
He's a Republican from Missouri. He was at one of the many hearings in Washington over the last couple of days. And uh, he had an encounter with acting White House Budget Director Shalanda Young. And the question that came about is, what basically, whatever happened to the word mom, as in mother, mom? Because the Biden administration apparently is now refusing to refer to a woman who gives birth as mom. The now phrase that they say are and are trying to justify that needs to be used is birthing people. So I want to play you a little bit of that exchange. Cut number 10. The budget requests $26 million to reduce maternal mortality and eliminate race-based disparities and outcomes among, quote, birthing people. Is the administration's official policy to relate replace the term woman with birthing people? There are certain uh, people who do not uh, have uh, gender identities that apply to female or male. And so we think our language needs to be more inclusive. We think our language needs to be more inclusive. Ah. You know, uh, the phrase comes to mind. Remember that Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty? I, I think that's where we are. I mean, this, this administration is losing touch with reality. All of a sudden, the words mother or mom can't be used because it might be offensive to a certain group of people. I, I sometimes wonder whether the Republicans, or pardon me, the Democrats, understand how silly they sound and how the American people are reacting to this kind of thing. Uh, it's just, just hard to believe. And this acting White House budget director, Shalanda Young, she never cracked a smile. She was deadly serious. But we want to be inclusive. And that there are people who don't want to be referred to as a woman. Therefore, we're going to call them birthing people. So there you have it. Biden administration. Let's change the language again. Got to satisfy that tiny, 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 tiny minority that might get offended by the word mom. All right. Let's go to our phones. Head to Missouri first. Sam from Missouri. Go ahead. Hi, friend. Thank you for taking my call. Uh-huh. Um, I just wanted to kind of present to you an idea about this critical race theory, and uh, I'll hang up and let you run with it. Um, I was wondering what would happen if these teachers that are losing their jobs and quitting because they refuse to present this, if they would go ahead and teach the critical race theory, but teach the truth about it rather than teaching it from the angle that they want us to. Yeah, what they think of that. Well, uh, unfortunately, they have bosses, and uh, this is and and we talked about Loudoun County just a few moments ago in Virginia, which is is kind of on the front lines of this battle right now. But there are other jurisdictions. Uh, uh, we played some audio yesterday from a mom from Carmel, New York, went before her school board with much the same fight. Uh, she's fed up, and this is happening, folks, across the country. Uh, there's, uh, I think it was in Iowa, the uh, governor of Iowa signed a bill banning critical race theory. 
but there are jurisdictions in this in this country. Loudoun County seems to be in the spotlight right now, where basically teachers are told uh, you will teach this or you won't have a job. That's the problem. I agree with you. Uh, there should, if there's so-called academic freedom in this country, uh, opposing views to critical race theory ought to be taught as well, because we are told by the left that we ought to be inclusive. Uh, that we ought to be open to different opinions. But here's the reality. We all know that's not true. Uh, Conservatives who have a different point of view on issues, uh, they're going to be canceled by the left. They're going to be canceled by the mainstream media. They're going to be canceled by the social media platforms like Facebook, like Twitter. We've all heard those stories that are out there. So uh, that is what is happening. But I think it has reached the point Loudoun County is is the latest example, but several states like Iowa, Arkansas, I believe Tennessee, they are all passing laws that are saying uh, the teaching of a critical race theory will not not be done in this state. And I wish more states would do it, and I think more states will, as they're being encouraged uh, by these states that are stepping out because parents are telling politicians, I don't want my kid exposed to this garbage this false teaching, this communist-based theory, critical race theory. So, uh, you know, people have asked, uh, what do we do about this? Speak up. You know, in, in the introduction to Sandy's show each morning, she talks to people about speak up. Don't just complain about it. Speak up. And that's what parents, that's what teachers are starting to do, and I'm very encouraged by that. All right, let's go to Oklahoma. Good morning, Walter. Go ahead. All right, thank you. Um, I was just wondering, uh, Nancy Pelosi was supposed to be in charge of security for the state capitol. Mm-hmm. And all, everybody talks about the ride, but they never bring up her name. Nobody talks about her accountability. Why didn't she get in the National Guard? Why didn't she, Why didn't the uh, police know what to do? How did the guy, what, who gave the guy authority to kill somebody without a, a weapon? And she, you, you don't hear nothing about her like she had no involvement at all. And they even went to her office. So yes. if it was on the uh, Republican side, they would be denouncing her and what a bad job she did. She didn't, you know, she didn't plan. And I just, if, if I'm correct, I just, it's the only time that, you know, when they wanted to impeach Trump, the last time they was going to have a subpoena, when they spread the subpoena her for, you know, and for uh, certain things that she did, they, they dropped it. So anyway, I just want your response on that. Yeah, well, I'll tell you why Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are not held accountable because they know they can get away with saying anything uh, because the mainstream media is uh, going in lockstep with the Democratic Party. I mean, there have been polls that have been shown through the years, 90% of the mainstream media, and I would say it's even higher than 90% of those reporters who cover Washington are all vote Democrat. So they believe in the Democratic Party, today's Democratic Party ideology. They believe in this. And that's why you won't see Nancy Pelosi's name mentioned with regards to what happened on January 6th. However, there's a report that just came out that explains that the Capitol Police, and our caller is exactly right, uh, were undermanned, under-resourced. There was a report early on that President Trump asked for Uh, more National Guard people to be there because they were expecting a huge crowd at this rally. 
so I don't know if the truth will ever come out in a report from Washington, D.C., uh, but there are indications, certainly, that Nancy Pelosi perhaps could have done more. But to the point of our caller, will she ever be condemned for this? Not as long as we have a left-wing media uh, that's in place. Uh, Nancy Pelosi gets away with a lot. Kamala Harris uh, is in charge of fixing the crisis at the border, but refuses to go to the border in the mainstream media, uh, with a few exceptions. They don't, don't, they don't uh, pose any challenge to what has happened. I mean, the main, uh, most Americans can see what an embarrassment that was uh, with Kamala Harris, vice president, going down to, um, to Guatemala and then to Mexico and then flying over the border where the real crisis is. I think Democratic Party, we're still a ways to the 22 uh, midterm election, but I think they're going to pay dearly. And I say that because there are indications out there, such as what happened in McGowan, Texas, Back about 10 days ago, they held a mayoralty election in McAllen, Texas, border city, which basically has been under Democrat control, 85% Hispanic population. Uh, they voted in a Republican uh, in their latest mayoralty election. And then you've had these Democrat members of Congress whose districts are all on the border. They are calling out Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, saying we have a crisis here and you folks are doing nothing about it. In fact, you created the crisis and it's, it's getting worse by the day. Have you heard the latest numbers that came out of people who crossed our southern border uninhibited in the month of May? 180,000. I think it was something like 160,000 in April. 180,000 in the month of May alone. Folks, this is by design. We've said this before. Joe Biden in 2019 was a candidate. He said, I'm, if I'm elected president, I want to surge at the border. So this crisis is totally at the feet of Joe Biden. And I think the electorate will hold the Democratic Party accountable in the 22 elections. We'll see what goes on. Anne in North Carolina, good morning. Go ahead, Ann. I love when you substitute for Sandy. You're so informed on the issue. Well, thank but you. But I don't understand why there's nothing to hide about the election why don't they allow the election recount to settle this once and for all? Also, I feel like Biden is a puppet and has been pro- promised no prosecution for his son, Hunter, if he will do as he is told. Personally, I feel Obama is pulling all the strings, and I pray that Americans will speak out for their country, that they are destroying them. Well, I think, uh, Anna, I appreciate your comments. Uh, I think the country is rebelling. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, has to the point, and I, I sound like a bit of a broken record here, but the mainstream media, for the most part, is running cover for the Democratic Party. Uh, that's the bottom line. Uh, they're not reporting on these things. The latest incident involving, I think our caller mentioned, Hunter Biden. Some of these emails that have been discovered on his hard drive on that laptop he left for repair didn't pick up. I don't know if you read the story, and I can't go into too much detail because it's so bad. He referred to uh, a colleague. I'm not sure it was an accountant or, or whatever the case may be. He used a very derogatory term for black people in the email. In fact, he used it several times. And as far as I know, the only place that I've seen that story 
He's on Fox News and a few of the other conservative outlets. The mainstream media has said nothing. But as some people have pointed out, if that was a child of Donald Trump and an email was found with that kind of horrible language in it, it'd be all over the mainstream news. But as I say, the mainstream news, basically running cover. I think we have time for one more call. Let's try to get it in. Let's go to Texas and say good morning to Kevin. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi, good morning, sir. Uh, I was just thinking on your birthing person comment on a humorous point of what if back in May on birthing person, person day, if I called a certain someone and said happy birthing person day, uh, I think uh, I would at that point be very glad I was on a long distance telephone call, not the same room. <laughs> and, and my mom was the same way back when the feminists started wanting to use the word Ms. instead of Mrs. She was kind of like, uh, I married this guy. And I'm raising his children. You refer to me as Mrs., not Ms. <laughs> and uh, that was back in the 70s. I remember she was, she would never use the term go pound sand, but that was her attitude towards the feminist movement. Yeah. And the same thing now, if you tried to look at her, I had these kids and I raised them. You refer to me as birthing person. You better think again, boy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Thank you, Kevin. That's a good way to end the program this morning. You know, I think for the most part, the vast majority of Americans are looking at all of this and saying, you know, uh, we have to turn this around. And whether it's, and, and there are serious points, critical race theory, all of those. But, you know, uh, the fight is breaking out, folks. It is breaking out. And it almost seems that we had to get to the point where this radical left-wing agenda is being put before the American people and they're saying, I don't want any part of it. Uh, we're not going to let this happen to our country because that's not what this country is about. And people are fighting back. And I think that's a good thing. On that phrase being used by the Biden administration, birthing people instead of mom, people just look at that and they say it's silly, totally silly. And I want no part of that. And it only discredits the Democratic Party and those who are leading it right now. All right, Ben, great to be with you this morning again. Filling in for Sandy, as I say, Sandy will be back real soon back in the chair. We will welcome her back from her vacation. In the meantime, stay tuned for more great programming here on American Family Radio. And don't forget, go out there and be a blessing to someone else today. Bye for now. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.